Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. It is indeed Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel. He's Bruce Levine on a glorious Saturday morning here in Chicago. The Cubs and the Sox have their seasons done, but the playoffs roll on. The Final Four is set. It's the Dodgers and the Braves in the NLCS. And the Tampa Rays are got by the Yankees against the Houston Astros in the ALCS. And Bruce, our next guest, joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. The very accomplished baseball player, broadcaster, all-around man for all seasons, Jim Cott, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. And, uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Matt and I appreciate you coming on. And also, uh, does baseball get any better than watching that game last night and seeing a kid uh, from uh, obscurity coming through from northwest Indiana, hitting uh, the biggest home run of his life, one of the biggest in uh, in Tampa Ray history to win that ball game. It's it's surely the beauty of the game, isn't it? Boy, you're spot on with the beauty of the game, Bruce. Because I was I was watching that game, and it you know it really wasn't very exciting. It was walks, strikeouts, and then they had the two home runs, but there weren't a lot of base runners. But yet, I think the the beauty of the game for the real baseball fan is kind of the tug of. What's the outcome going to be? Who's going to be the hero? You know, the drama builds and builds, and you you know what's coming down to just you know one play, one guy, and uh, it, it was just poetic justice to see uh, what happened a month ago when Chapman buzzed a hundred mile an hour fastball over uh, Mike Brosu uh, Brosu's head, and then he turns around and and gets a home run. Yeah, that was, uh, and I love teams like Tampa because they're not a high roll payroll team and they they do little things and it points out the importance uh, of the bullpen in the game today it's all bullpen I mean Garrett Cole glass you know they're uh, glass now the big hard throwing starters they are all a hype about them you know they're not going to be around in the sixth inning so it's going to come down to the bullpen and nobody has more power arms than uh, Tampa coming out of that bullpen yeah, it's pretty remarkable how teams work their pitching staffs these days, isn't it, Jim? We saw Jace Tingler of the Padres have a a full-on bullpen game to get out of their divisional round series, and it worked. 
You've got, uh, you know, just the boldness and the willingness of managers to do this and the flexibility. What would it be like to be a pitcher today and just have to know that sometimes three innings is all you're going to get? Sometimes if you're a reliever, you've got to be ready at all different times. It's a different kind of mindset than just knowing you're going to get to go out there every fourth or fifth day. You know, Johnny Sane, who you know well, uh, knew well, Johnny told me back in the 60s, he said, the day is coming when, if you don't have a fourth starter, now they go to five starters, but four starter, they're going to split the game up between three guys. And he said, the, the day is coming when a pitcher that can go out and pitch one clean inning is going to be valuable. I said, John, you got to be kidding me. You mean you just go out there and have one, one, two, three inning and you're valuable? But that is the game today. And I experienced a bit of that in 1982 with the Cardinals when we won the World Series, very fortunate to be on that team. But Whitey Herzog had told me the winter prior to that, he said, I want you to be my lefty-lefty guy. And he said, I'm going to build my pitching staff from the ninth inning back. We got Bruce Suter. We had Doug Bear, who's a hard-throwing righty. Jeff Lottie had a good slider. I was a lefty-lefty guy. And that was our team within the team. And, of course, we won the World Series, and, and we did it. I think I was just a very minor part of that, but we did it because of the way our bullpen was put together. Jim Codd joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, Jim, 25 years pitching in the big leagues, 283 wins, and now a broadcaster for the last 35 years. Jim, when you look at um, you, you look at uh, the career of Whitey Ford, a guy that as a young man you pitched against one-on-one in some pretty intense games when you were with Minnesota and Whitey was uh, – Finish, finishing up the last five or six years of his uh, historic career. What, what comes to mind? How many personal you know, situations did you have? How much relationship did you have with Whitey? I, I could probably use up your next hour with it. You know, my first, my first really thrill, and it's kind of a self-serving story, but uh, in 1960, uh, when the Twins were then the Washington Senators, we hadn't moved to Minnesota. So my first start in Yankee Stadium, I think it was the sec- third start of my career, was against the Yankees in Whitey. And in those days, the starting pitchers warmed up next to home plate by the on-deck circles, and they warmed up toward the backstop so fans could watch the starters warm up. So about 20 feet to my left, I'm looking at, I said, I am pitching against Whitey Ford. You know, I'm looking at that number 16, and it was a surreal experience for me. Fortunately, we won that game. But then the the, the real uh, story that I love to tell is in 1962, we hooked up in Metropolitan Stadium in Minnesota. And the bullpens there are very close together. They're separated by a chain-link fence, maybe 20 feet apart. And as Whitey and I were warming up, I could actually hear the spin on his fastball. I could hear his moving, sinking fastball rotate. Uh, you know, he wasn't a power pitcher. It wasn't like today where you're looking for guys throw 96 miles an hour. And so I said to myself, I, I wonder what Whitey would say if I walked over to the fence and said, uh, would you mind showing me how you hold your fastball? Because the pitcher's union was always much tighter knit than the hitters union because it didn't do much to legislate in our favor so sure enough it was a warm day whitey was wiping his brow and i went over and i said whitey would you mind showing me how you grip your fastball and he took about 30 seconds was nice enough to 
you know, there's the with the seam, or nowadays they call it two seam or four seam. And he had this sort of a diagonal uh, way he put his fingers across the ball diagonally. He showed me the grip. I went back, finished my warm-up, and I threw my fastball like that for the next 21 years. So, uh, oh, wow. and, and then fast forward to, uh, uh, you know, Yankees' old-timers games, and then down in uh, Florida, he was a silent partner of a golf club that I played golf at, so we crossed paths quite a bit. I have a wonderful picture that we had taken together in 2010, which was the 50th anniversary of my first game against him in 1960. So, and he, he's such a humble guy, great sense of humor and fun to be around. And so I just cherish those uh, memories I have to be able to say I was a friend of one of, you know, the all time greats, particularly one of the all time great Yankees. So cool. He was a Yankee fan since he was five years old, uh, Jim Cott. So, you know, it's in reading about him, and, and I wish I had seen more of him um, and watched some of him because the kinds of pitchers I love, be it Zach Greinke now or David Cohn, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, guys who threw a bunch of different pitches but would throw from different arm angles at different speeds and would really just have a lot of different tools in the bag. It seems like Whitey Ford was that guy with a, a big variety and a lot of different speeds and arm motions and great control. Must have been awfully fun to watch uh, th- that kind of pitcher, Jim. Yeah, in those days, pitchers were mainly fastball, curveball. If there's one pitch I wish I had, and I tell Johan Santana, the former great Twins pitcher, Cy Young Award winner, I said, boy, uh, if there's one pitch I wish I would have had during my career, it's a changeup. That's become a very useful pitch as hard as pitchers throw. But Whitey was sinking fastball, curve. He could change speeds on his curve. He had an excellent pickoff move. And then when Johnny Sane uh, was the Yankee coach, you know, up until then, Jim Turner was the coach, and Whitey was was starting uh, about 30 games a year. They, they just kind of spotted him against the better teams. And then Johnny said to Ralph Houck, well, if Whitey Ford's your best pitcher, wouldn't our chances be better if he went to the mound 40 times a year instead of like 32? And so that's when they went to the four-man rotation, and Whitey went 25-4. and four. In fact, I think he won... 20 games uh, three of the next four years. And, of course, as you know from knowing Johnny, wherever he went, mm-hmm. he promoted a four-man rotation and developed uh, usually a 20-game winner or two every year. But uh, that's when Whitey became really a, you know, a Cy Young award winner and uh, more of a, a complete game pitcher than he was in, in the early part of his career. Jim Codd joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. We're here with you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball from 9 to 11. Jim, uh, the Bulls, yeah, you uh, doing the, the game, uh, the Atlanta game on MLB Network the other day and talking about uh, that you were uh, not, not too happy about the, the one rule, and that is one, a pitcher has to pitch to three batters or finish an inning to be able to come out of the game. Just, just your thoughts on that from, from being the accomplished pitcher that you were over the years and, and seeing how bullpens are used and, and uh, managers having this taken away from them as far as strategy, in, 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 at least in postseason. Yeah, it's, it's probably a little selfish on my part because that's how I got to be part of a World Series team is uh, I was a lefty-lefty guy. I did face a few righties. But, no, I remember the day the rule came out, and the next day I was at 
a golf club where I play with, uh, he was part of the commissioner's office, and he's the guy that actually hired me at MLB Network, Tony Petiti. And I came in the locker room, and I said, Tony, I heard about this rule of pitcher. Reliever has to face three hitters. I said, that's the stupidest rule I've ever heard. <laughs> and, of course, he, he said, well, don't say too much about it because it was my idea. I said, no, come on, you played college <laughs> baseball, you were a catcher. You're strapping a manager's hands. Now, the game I did the other day, uh, Atlanta got out of it. But O'Day was struggling, and he walked two guys. And now I know Brian Snifter would love to have made a pitching change because Matt Joyce was coming up with the bases loaded. And O'Day got him out. But that's not going to happen all the time. So I just think instead of some of these little Mickey Mouse rules that they've come up, you can't go to the mound six times or you can't hit the second base, but if they just, or the catcher, you know, it's become a sort of a soft sport. Why don't they just shorten the game to seven innings and leave the rest of it alone? No starter goes more than seven. And a fan's attention spans about two and a half hours. Hmm. It now takes... 220, 230 to play a seven-inning game, which is what we played in that amount of time or even quite a bit faster. And I just think that players would be fresher. There wouldn't be as many injuries. You wouldn't have to carry as many inexperienced pitchers that not because their lack of talent, but they're really not ready to pitch in the big leagues yet. And, and you know, they rush them up there. I just think the quality of the game would be so much better and you wouldn't have to spend time saying, well, Let's make a reliever uh, face three hitters. It'll speed up the game by 35 seconds or something. I, I just think it's a ridiculous rule to – and Buck Showalter said to me the other day on TV, now tell me how you really feel about it. You know? <laughs> so I said, well, Buck, what if, you're, what if you're in the dugout and this situation has happened and you're the manager? See, most of the managers, uh, Tony DeRusa sent us a text, they all feel the same way, but – you know, the, everybody doesn't want to, you know, be outspoken against the uh, baseball administration. But I have no problem with that because uh, mm-hmm. I'm just looking out for the for the best of the game, for the game to be the best it can be. And that rule prevents yeah. that. And you're a made guy, you know, you, Jim uh, Cott. He's a made guy, Bruce. He can say whatever the hell he wants. Well, uh, not only that, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, for, for a guy that's in his 80s now to talk about of being progressive and yes. going away from the seven innings. Here's a guy that uh, that pitched a uh, hundred and what was a hundred and eighty complete games. Is that right, uh, Jim? Yeah, you know they we were that, that's kind of another nine another issue that's sort of sad for baseball is that these pitchers are they're so much more talented than we were. The talent levels at an all time high and all these shifts and analytics information. Mm-hmm. They're kind of hothousing the talent. They're stifling what a lot of these pitchers and players could be if they were just set free. And uh, we'd see more complete games, and we'd see more head-to-head matchups where, uh, say, Garrett Cole was going against, say, a John Lester in his prime for seven innings. We'd see him around at the finish that we love to do, but we don't Mm -hmm. see it anymore. Hey, 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 Jim, I, I love, as Bruce says, your progressiveness, your openness to, to some change. I was talking to, to John Bugshambi, the, the ESPN broadcaster, um, last night on, on, on this station, and he was mentioning the seven-inning thing that you talked about. He also mentioned just kind of picking up the pace a little bit, forcing the pitch clock uh, really for both the pitchers and the hitters. 
because his idea is that the faster you go, the less you get this like maximum effort on every pitch from every pitcher. And maybe we'll get some more contact because that's the big the big thing, right? Is like. 76% of the runs in the Yankees Rays series were on home runs. And then there were also like yeah. 95 strikeouts. So it's like 40% of the, of the outcomes, like didn't have the ball in play. So, so how do we get the ball in play more is the thing? Well, I'd say you could soften the ball, regulate the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could bring back the brushback pitch. Bob Gibson, who recently passed away, was an intimidating pitcher. I was not an intimidating pitcher, maybe a little in my younger days. I hit more batters than Bob Gibson did. But what Bob Gibson did is he said, I, I threw inside to push the hitter off the plate so I could pitch outside and keep him from diving in. Well, see, that, that pitch has gone away because if you use it, you'll get warned and kicked out of the game. And, and very subtly, that's a pitch that is a big part of a pitcher's arsenal. And they're not allowed to use it anymore. So, and I think you soften the ball. And, you know, in golf, we tiger we tigerize courses by making them longer. In baseball, the hitters are stronger. You can't regulate the human body. They're bigger, stronger, faster. Swing lighter, drier bats, laminated, and a harder ball. And we make the park smaller. The judge home run last night was a routine fly ball that just drifted and went out of the ballpark for a home run. And it's kind of making the home run ordinary where uh, I think years ago, the way the game was designed to play, the home run was pretty special. And I'm an old fogey about that, but I don't really know how many young fans we're really uh, keeping in the game because it's kind of boring to see 40% of the at-bats be walk strikeouts or home runs. You bet. Hey, Jim, uh, in closing, Matt and I really appreciate your time and, and love your broadcast when you're out there. We really, uh, I personally think you're still great at what you do. How did you stay in Major League Baseball for 25 years, and how essential were your legs? Uh, I did some uh, scouting on you, and I heard that you used to run five miles a day uh, religiously for good parts of your career when you, uh, when you weren't pitching that day. Uh, was it all about the legs for you, and was that what what was the longevity was for pitchers back then? Running was part of what we were told to do early on, and uh, and then you know eventually you get sore legs, sore back, and so especially with Johnny saying he was a big believer in throwing, and I did. I used to run the golf course where uh, I lived in in uh, Florida for a while. I did a lot of distance running, but then. When stationary bikes came along, uh, I did more of that. You know, and that, that's that's the fallacy of the pitch count is that everybody says, well, we're protecting the pitcher's arm. We're going to limit him to 100 pitches. Well, it's not the arm that goes in the seventh inning. It's the legs. Buck Showalter and I were talking about that off camera the other day. When you look at the great power pitchers, say Tom Seaver, Roger Clemens, they all had big lower halves, you know, thick legs, big butts. And that was a great foundation. So, you know, that's really important to keep those in shape. And unlike, I think, some of the training in those days, Johnny Sane was influential in that, is the best way to condition your legs is to pitch more. Uh, Like in spring training, I might pitch seven innings in a spring training game, and then I would go down to the bullpen and pitch four simulated innings not at full speed but i would use my legs and drive my legs just Mm -hmm. like i did Mm -hmm. with my pitching motion during the game and 
And I think that's where we're doing a disservice to today's pitchers is even in the minor leagues, you know, they don't get a chance to pitch out of jams, uh, 50 pitches, 60 pitches, four innings. Okay, that's enough. Come out of the game. You never really knew. You never get a chance to really develop your craft with the potential that you have to be a successful pitcher. Jim, uh, you're right. We could talk for hours, and it would be fascinating. Uh, let's do it again sometime soon. Thanks so much for joining us on on our show, and uh, all the best to you. Uh, it's, it's just fabulous talking baseball with you. Well, I enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. Jim Cott, uh, the fabulous pitcher. Still don't know why 283 uh, wins don't get you in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't like to talk about it because he has no control over it, but uh, – what a, what a fabulous uh, analyst and honest guy he is. Man of the times, Jim Cott. Love it. On his game at 81 um, and, and, and open to the, some of these ideas, these crazy ideas that maybe are not so crazy to try and uh, improve the, the watchability. I love seven innings. And the, I, I you think do? We, saw it th- we saw it this year for the first time, right? Yeah, and the doubleheaders. I, 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 yeah, I'm, but I'm, the, those were complete. Those are games you'll look back in the – in the uh, record book and see seven inning complete games uh, played by Major League Baseball. A lot there to chew on, and uh, you can do it at 312-644-6767. That's the phone number to call and to text uh, right here on 670 The Score. Um, we will continue that conversation, and let's hear from Ozzie Gian. Now, Ozzie Gian was on with Mully and Haw. When we come back, uh, you'll hear that as, uh, as part of the show. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listening to 670 the score it is inside the clubhouse 
with uh, me, Matt Spiegel, and him, uh, Bruce Levine. Bruce, Ozzy again on this radio station often these days, often with Mully and Haw. And he had quite a good year for the public profile, wouldn't you say? Uh, the White Sox were interesting. They were very watchable. They were fun. And Ozzy and Frank Thomas made a real good pair of analysts uh, for some very compelling games. And and they had a manager who made a lot of moves that uh, were open to question. And Ozzy was active and interesting. Yeah, he was. Uh I don't think he, uh, he went as far as saying, you know, he wouldn't do this if he was a manager or that Ricky Renteria shouldn't uh, be managing the White Sox. But I, I think he was uh, very candid about uh, being able to share his uh, thoughts on when things work out, when they don't. It's a, it's a very tough job, as he knows. And he would very much like to be back in a dugout uh, after not being there for almost 10 years now. Yeah, let, let's hear him with Mully and Haw earlier in the week as he was talking about um, the manager openings that I'm sure will come, and the White Sox were a subtext of it in terms of what they decided to do with Ricky Renteria, but they were not the focus. The question was, do Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch deserve another chance to manage in the big leagues? Man, you know, Alex is my son. Alex is my son. A.J., I don't know him. I think he's a great baseball man. But that made me sad, man. That made me sad because all of a sudden, I, I hear his name. I'm my name. Not mentioned because what? <laughs> really? Not, they're not better managers than me. Sorry. I don't care. I don't care. They're not better managers than me. But hey, second chance, everybody has second chance. Everyone besides me. Everyone deserves second chance. And they hopefully they learn from the mistake. And I'm glad they, they mentioned them. But sometimes it's not fair because few people deserve to be there before they did. At least even mention their name. But uh, that's the way it is, man. You know what I mean? I'm glad. You know what I mean? Alex Cora is my son. AJ Inch is, is a group baseball man. But what they did, well, I don't know what they did or not. What they was involved, it, it made me think about where Major League Baseball going. What are we thinking? Some people, you know what I mean, do less and they have less opportunity. But I hope they get the job, man. I hope they go out there and, and, and get the job with Major League Baseball. That's nothing I can control. I don't worry about it. But it made me sad because how those guys got a second opportunity to manage it and, and a lot of people including myself we don't that's that's a good shock boy there's a why lot do you there. think a lot yeah, there to chew Matt, on go ahead bruce yeah go ahead why do you think uh ozzy has not gotten another chance i i think that the perception is because of some things he has said um a, a, 10 as years well. ago 10 years uh, ago well I, I, no i i i don't think it's the controversy part of it i where i was going was that I think the perception is that Ozzy is not a believer in analytics and would be a difficult partner for a front office. Right. And that's what the, the role has become. It's, it's uh, not true, of course, uh, but uh, I, I understand you sharing the perception that it might be that. Um, I, I just think that um, Ozzy, to me, Ozzy's one of the most honest people I've ever met in my life outside of baseball, in baseball. He will tell you what he thinks. But I do think the important thing for baseball people to notice is that Ozzy has learned how to control what he says. And he has learned a lot, as he said, by watching the game and how other people manage uh, not only the games, but manage themselves. And Ozzy, um, great baseball player, great baseball man. Uh, deserves a chance more than just about anybody I know out there. He's still a young man. He still has tremendous uh, things to offer. 
he's bilingual in a time where that is essential for a lot of jobs because you have almost 40% Latin American players in the game. So from, from all of that, um, do you think the guy would even get an interview? I mean, I don't, I don't even think he's gotten an interview. And he doesn't want token interviews. He wants, he wants people that are interested in, in, uh, in hiring. But uh, I don't know how you go from a world championship manager and a guy that uh, runs games beautifully to not getting another, another chance 10 years later. Well, what, uh, what, what is there? What, what do you think it is, Bruce? Is it the fact that... Oh, I'm, think, I'm sure the perception is, here's a guy that talks a lot, and uh, you know he would be hard to control, just like you said. And, and I, I think that's, uh, that's very far from the truth. I think the relationship between Kenny Williams and Ozzy for 95% of the time that they were there was outstanding. The communication was great. And uh, they worked together beautifully, building very good clubs. Uh, the time, the other five percent, uh, when uh, those things did, weren't working out, uh, they were they were sensationalized to the point where, hey, you know, one guy and the other is uh, they're both looking for um, the attention of the owner, and uh, the relationship kind of fell apart at that point. So, from the perspective of Ozzy as a baseball man. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that can, que- can question what he would bring to the party. I think he'd be fabulous, and given another chance, I think he'd be great. But again, uh, I haven't hired a manager in a long time yet, so uh, <laughs> it's probably it's probably not. I, but I do hope it happens, and and people are missing the boat uh, when they do not pay attention to Ozzy Gein as a baseball man. I, I guess I wonder, Bruce, if he would be open. I'm recalling the a couple articles and the way that Ozzy talked about what his son's responsibilities were in the Houston Astros organization, of how much analytics he had to look at, the volume of binders and materials he had to know. And I remember Ozzy saying something like, man, I wouldn't last a day doing that. And that's that's the gig. That's the gig these days. You can't. You can't farm that out uh, these days. Every manager has to do it. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's the perception that I'm talking about. But, but you, know, you talk to more people. You think the perception of him being difficult is more than uh, is more the issue? Just, uh, just uh, too, too uh, effusive, you know, talking too much, you know, just, uh, you know, slow him down. They don't understand the essence of what a high-quality individual, a person and baseball man he is they they have no idea okay this is a great family guy this is a a friend that i've had since uh 1985 that if i needed a thousand dollars in two minutes i'd have it you know this is a guy with a big heart you know loves his family his friends uh but because he's an aggressive individual uh he's just not looked at properly at at this point in time and i don't know if he'll get a chance Hmm. Yeah. Well, that that's too bad if 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 that's if that's the issue. Um. You know, it it really is a texture here, and several people getting in at three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. You can call or you can text. It's the same number these days. No owner wants to deal with a tone deaf manager. His time with the Marlins was incredibly unaware of the impact his words have on the organization. He's clearly mm-hmm. a loose cannon. Has nobody to blame but himself. I really don't think that that issue that happened in Miami is a big part of it. I I I don't think. That well, it was at the time. I mean, uh, you know, it's it certainly set him back, and uh, you know, it made things difficult for him to stay on the job. But more importantly, um, you know, the essence of what he was as a manager, I think, was lost. The fact that uh, 
when you talk to baseball people and they say nobody nobody got outmanaged uh, uh, Ozzie never got outmanaged by anybody else he was that good but because he was uh, multifaceted as far as personality and having fun and he could look in the stands and be uh, talking to uh, fans or looking at people and still be managing and doing a great job at the same time you know he's just different he's different uh, this time uh, in life and in baseball I think we embrace difference don't we so uh, I think uh, you know again people are missing out on a fabulous baseball guy a guy that is so well connected in the game. Uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of players that are well connected to Ozzy that would love to play for him. So I don't get it, but you know, again, uh, perception from 10 years ago is reality for some of these uh, owners and general managers that have not interviewed Ozzy for jobs. I'll never forget um, a moment during uh, the Cubs Sox at Wrigley. I guess it was last year when Ozzy was there and on the field pregame, and the, the treatment as royalty that he received from at the time, Carlos Gonzalez, Wilson Contreras, um, mm-hmm. guys of, of Venezuelan descent, and there's a lot of them in MLB, just the reverence they have for Ozzy is, is, is pretty remarkable um, and obviously incredibly value, valuable. I wonder if among the, the bits of perception out there, just what happened, the ugliness with his... His kids um, vocally going against the White Sox at the time. Uh, how wrong that rubbed Jerry Reinsdorf, how vocal Jerry might have been at the time, I don't know, towards other owners. I know that Jerry carries a lot of weight and is a very powerful voice among owners around, around MLB. And, and well, I wonder, he's working for a, a he television station that broadcasts all the White Sox games. Yep. I'm sure, I don't think Jerry stood in his way from from uh, doing that. I, was the relationship fractured for a long period of time after he left? Yes, it was. Has it been, uh, has it been taken care of? And are they on, on good terms these days over the last three years or so? Yes, yes, indeed it has. I can, I can tell you that, firmly tell you that that's, that's the case. But uh, uh, did, it, did it hurt him that uh, you know, he left here on bad terms? I, I think it did. You know, it, it definitely hurt him. And, uh, but you know, 10 years is 10 years. You know, the guy is only 54 years old. He's got another 10 years of good baseball uh, to offer at the very least. And I think some of it's wasted on the, on the fun color commentary that he does uh, on the pre and post game shows. He's just too valuable to just be uh, in a booth. He needs to be in a, in a dugout somewhere. It's an incredibly strong personality and uh, a fascinating personality. And a lot of times uh, teams are, are afraid to deal with it. We'll see if he gets another shot. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 to score. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. More of your texts and uh, calls the rest of the way as Bruce Levine and me, Matt Spiegel, continue right here on 670 to score. Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum at the top of the hour. This segment on the score is brought to you by Amazon. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you and Bruce Levine. Of course, it is inside the clubhouse on The Score. Bruce, final four here, the Rays and the Astros and the Braves and the Dodgers. The Dodgers and the Rays have been the two best teams in baseball uh, for most of the year. You think that's what we'll get at this point? I hope yeah. so. 
I think so. I think I expect that to continue because what do they have? I think uh, they they both have the best pitching. Okay, so uh, they they have good offenses. Um, they can score a bunch of runs, but they can outpitch you in tight games. And I think that's why it, it could be a fabulous World Series: Dodgers uh, versus uh, the Tampa Rays. Now, that said, uh, Atlanta has pitched. Uh, tremendously in the playoffs. What have they? They got four shutouts so far. Uh, hardly allowed any runs. But the the quality of the, uh, the opponent's going to be a little different now with the Dodgers. So uh, most people still perceive the Dodgers being the best team in baseball. Uh, I I just love Tampa and their bullpen. Matt, they had 12 different individuals, 12 different guys, save the games for them yeah. in 2020. Incredible and. And you see these power arms, um, you know, you, you see guys like last night, you know, uh, with these guys coming out of the pen. And it's just like, how do you hit that? It's almost impossible. So I really like uh, like that. Yourself, how, what are you looking at here? Yeah, I, 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 a lot of those points are, are spot on. I In looking for a weakness with the Dodgers, um, it's hard to find one. The only thing is they do not have big, big strikeouts at the end of their bullpen mm-hmm. at the end of games Yeah, uh, with Kenley Jansen. And even some of the guys who've been good, like Brewster Gratterall is not a big strikeout guy. I think he's five strikeouts per nine, something like that. So, um, But the way that managers have had to be desperate as well as creative and make it work has, has just been, been fascinating. Um, and, Boy, karmically, I just really, really don't want the Astros to go back to the World Series. I, I, wow. I, I, I don't, you know, at this really, point, you, you don't I get don't it, get Bruce? it. Really? No, I don't get it. Oh, I mean, I think so unrepentant. They're so unrepentant. Carlos Correa is what saying. What should they do? They do Hail Marys before every game? No. Uh, you know, no, what, you what do you want to, them to be doing? Yeah, I, I, do, I want them to not try to slam dunk on people when they win. To not use, like, the fact that people were angry at them as some kind of rallying cry. We had a right to be angry at you. They've been unrepentant yeah. every step of the way. It's very unseemly. See, They're see, good. I, 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 don't, I don't blame those players. You know why? Because Major League Baseball refused to punish them. Okay? And when, when Major League Baseball decided to take the intel from them rather than punish them and get them to, uh, you know, own up to what they had done, they, they, they missed the opportunity to be able to punish them for what they had done. They gave them immunity. So this is a Major League Baseball problem. Uh, I, I, so I don't punish those players because if Major League Baseball took a pass on punishing them and uh, they're out there, I think you just let them play the game. And to their credit, not a very good team during the regular season, 29 and 30. Uh, they have risen to the occasion, and that offense is a, a scary offense right now. So... I, I'm not rooting for them necessarily to um, to win, but I'm not rooting against them. And I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, I'm watching from purely the baseball part, not the uh, oh these guys are jerks and they cheated. You know, there's been thousands of guys that have cheated in sports and in baseball over the years, not got caught. So I'm not hung up on that. Uh, what I'm hung up on is that <laughs> baseball had the opportunity to punish them, they didn't. Yeah, so no, let's I, I move understand. On. So let's move on. 
Uh, well, there's very few things that I allow myself to be emotionally passionate about in sports. And when I do have some things that I allow myself to be emotionally passionate about, then you're not going to talk me out of it, Bruce Levine. If it was, uh, that's fine. If it was, the I, Yankees, I enjoyed. You know, yeah. I was a guy that enjoyed watching the Pistons play. <laughs> I mean, I thought the Pistons were great because they were spot on, perfect as to the type of basketball they wanted to play. Okay. They, they executed it well. They 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 did Perfectly. it well, and and they didn't mind being disliked. They, they no, really... and they were uh, they were excellent, excellent. B- besides some goonish behavior, they were tremendous ba- basketball players. You know Isaiah Robertson. You know, uh, you know, uh, you, you're talking Isaiah about Thomas, uh, yeah. Isaiah Thomas. I'm getting in football and basketball mix. Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars. You know, these are two of the greatest of basketball players that ever played. Uh, nobody even talks about Joe, Joe Dumars with that team, but uh, that was uh, one of the exceptional players of all time. My point is, you know, if, if you do something and you do it well, yeah. you should be commended, whether they like you or not. Uh, to me, I, you know, I watch, uh, yeah, but, but I watch wrestling between, for that. There's a difference you know, between dirty and cheating. Isn't there a difference between dirty and cheating, though? Those, those no, things are you don't different. think other guys have cheated? Uh, yeah, uh, I, of course, of course they have. But these guys got caught. These yes, guys got absolutely right. caught. Yes, you you're know? right. Uh, yeah, and, and, and they're showing no contrition for it. I, I, I understand that. Yeah, I do I'll, I'll say this. That. I'll say this. I did not bank on a Joe Dumars reference on Inside the Clubhouse today. I didn't. <laughs> or I didn't feel Isaiah that Isaiah Robertson <laughs> or I, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah, you pick an Isaiah. It's uh, it, it, one of my favorite of linebackers of all time. Isaiah Thomas, right? Uh, uh, Isaiah so, Robertson. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, Thank uh, you. I, absolutely. Well, you know, I'll say this for the Astros: even without the added benefit of the trash cans and everything. They still strike out very little. For a team that slugs a lot, they don't strike out a lot. I'll end it this way. If if George Springer is available for one of the teams that you root for here in Chicago, would you not want him to be a part of that going forward, knowing he's a free agent this year? Um... Yeah, uh, it's an, he's an interesting free agent, too, isn't he? I'm looking forward to the winter that we'll have, Bruce, and talking about big-time decisions for both sides of town. Um, is James yeah. McCann a done deal as a goner? Um, where will he go? Um, he's I, gone. Yeah, I, I wonder. But I, I'll give you some good news. According yes. to Jake Meisner, uh, who writes on, a, on an interesting website, Tommy Lestella is coming back to the Cubs. I would not be surprised at that at all. No, no. He's a contact guy. Yep. He's shown some power since he left the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be going after guys that make contact. Hey, we have people to thank, Matt. Uh, we do. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who uh, called and listened and texted. And thank you to our guest today, Larry Young, the MLB umpire supervisor, and the great Jim Cott from MLB Network, who was a lot of fun at the top of the hour. Thank you to Adam Studzinski for doing a great job producing as well. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also on our website, 670thescore.com, where I write baseball. For both Chicago teams all winter long. Matt, have a great week. Talk to you next week. You too, Bruce. Thanks so much. I'm in tomorrow, or Monday, I should say. Monday, it's me and Danny Parkins from 2 to 4, and then me and Dan Bernstein from 4 to 6 on Monday. Looking forward to that. Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum are next right here on 670 The Score. Have a great day, everybody. We 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 